a paternal admonition by the roman pontiff paul the third to the most invincible emperor charles the fifth by pope paul the third this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org paul the third supreme pontiff to the emperor charles the fifth dearest son salvation and apostolical benediction from the edict of your majesty we have learned the acts of your diet at spires in regard to which acts while our fatherly love for you does not allow us to disguise our sentiments the nature of the office and duty committed to us by god through christ for the guardianship of the universal church compels us to admonish you in plain terms to this we are not a little moved by the impressive example of the divine severity towards eli the priest against whom for treating his children too indulgently and winking at their faults there stands recorded the following severe sentence because he knew that his children acted improperly and did not correct them therefore saith the lord the iniquity of his house shall not be expiated for ever by victims and offerings this was the divine sentence, and it was immediately followed by the sudden and violent death first of the sons and then of Eli himself, and the consequent rejection of his posterity from the priesthood, thus fulfilling the word of the Lord. Therefore, dear son, when we perceived from the acts of the Diet certain unbecoming decrees and more unbecoming proposals, of a kind indeed that, if carried into effect, which God forbid, will not only most assuredly endanger the salvation of your soul but expose the peace and unity of the church which we ought to study above all things to greater perturbation than they have hitherto suffered we were truly unwilling to let them pass without sending this letter to one who has been committed to us by god to be honoured and loved as a first-born son to admonish him of this great peril both to himself and to the church we have not however thought it necessary to admonish you as if you resembled the sons of eli whom a depraved disposition and habitual wickedness rendered almost inaccessible to pure discipline but rather as one who during the course of many years entered not into the counsel of the ungodly for this reason we have the greater hope that our paternal admonition will not prove in vain but dear son everything depends on this that you do not allow yourself to be withdrawn from the unity of the church that you do not backslide from the custom of the most religious princes your forefathers but in everything pertaining to the discipline order and institutions of the church pursue the course by which you have for many years given the strongest proofs of heartfelt piety and the nature of this course is as often as any dispute arises concerning matters of religion to refer the decision always and in all points to the apostolic see and determine nothing till it has been consulted but now dear son when you make mention of a general council as the most seasonable remedy for the afflicted condition of the church particularly in germany or of a national council for this also you notice or of a future imperial diet against next autumn in which you promise to treat of religion and other matters thereto appertaining while you thus act while you thus resolve you suppress the name of him to whom laws human and divine with the approving consent of so many centuries have given supreme authority in calling councils in determining with regard to them and in arranging all matters having reference to the unity and welfare of the church 
nor are these the only points in which we complain that the practice of the church and of your ancestors has been not at all observed by you for among the decrees of the late diet may be read other things besides and not a few in number which are both most hurtful to piety and subversive of all legal order for when you propose that laics are to have the power of judging concerning spiritual things and not only laics but laics indiscriminately even the asserters of damnable heresies when you determine concerning ecclesiastical property and future controversies relating thereto when those who were out of the church and were long ago condemned by your own edict you restore to their former honours in courts and tribunals and this do of your own imperial authority certainly not with the approbation of others who persevere in ancient and holy obedience which of those things pray accords with the divine customs and laws by which the church has been perpetually governed nay they rather entirely deprive the church of all discipline and of all order without which no human society can be governed but the more at variance these things are with all right discipline and with the customs of our forefathers the less able are we to believe that they could ever emanate from your own judgment our belief is that your wanted piety has for a time been suppressed by the counsels of bad men who are now in rebellion against this holy see and who if unable to obtain your approval to the things which they wish to do against it have as we can easily suppose laboured at least to obtain from you by means of those edicts some indication of alienated affection and that they have obtained it we are the more grieved the more firmly we are persuaded of the loss and detriment which must accrue both to you and to the church if you do not speedily return to yourself this we cannot but dread more and more every day the more attentively we consider who the persons are with whom you have formed a friendship for if as the apostle says evil communications corrupt good manners how much more is this to be dreaded when one is united in leagues and councils with the wicked we doubt not indeed that they have gained you over to their measures by suggesting hopes of piety utility and honour but no counsel is so utterly bad that it cannot deck itself with some such specious names as a gorgeous robe but do you son rather ask your father and he will tell you your ancestors and they will declare to you for they all with one voice exhort you to maintain the unity of the church and yield honour and obedience to this holy see as they all along exhorted you by their deeds while all who are most distinguished for holiness and skill in the divine laws will if you consult them tell you that the severest of the divine judgments have befallen those who by whatever cause by whatever appearance of piety induced thought proper to assume to themselves the prerogatives of high priest the strongest of these inducements is that which the rebellious are wont to suggest when they urge princes to mount the high priest's chair and assert a right and authority to deliberate and decide on religious causes for they employ the negligence of priests a motive to stimulate princes to take upon themselves the settlement of religious controversies and the ordering of ecclesiastical affairs and who does not at first sight deem the act deserving of the highest praise every man will so deem it if the act only be looked to 
but as in a well-ordered household in which the duties and offices are divided it is not lawful for any one member to take it upon him to perform them all though each of them is excellent in its kind or if he attempts it though with a good intention he is deservedly reprimanded by the head of the family as by an unseasonable zeal destroying as far as possible the fairest thing in the house namely the order without which no house can long stand and doing the greatest injury to the wisdom of him who arranged it so in the church of christ which is the house of god in which all the offices are portioned out and distributed each to each in such a way that inferiors may not perform the offices of their superiors it is still less lawful to disturb its order inasmuch as it has been arranged with greater wisdom than can be supposed to exist in any house this is ever a most grievous insult to the foresight and wisdom of god all however do not see this nor emperor do we suppose that you yet sufficiently see the great injury which you offer to divine providence when in this house of god in which supremacy has been committed to priests you assume to yourself honour and office neither did uzza see it when reverentially accompanying the ark of god which was drawn in a wagon by oxen he put forth his hand to prevent it from falling they having become restive who among men would have ventured to disapprove of the act who would not rather have commended him highly for putting forth his hand when the priests were absent and the ark already leaning over was threatened with disaster by a wanton ox as the scriptures term it there is no man who would not have applauded it as piously done had not god shown by the severity of the punishment that it was by no means agreeable to him immediately depriving uzza of life for no other reason so the scripture declares than for having rashly presumed to supply what pertained to the office of priests and levites that there was so much sinfulness in the act who could have imagined but by this example god wished to warn us not to provoke his wrath by falling into the same snare of this thing we were desirous now to warn you lest induced by the deceitful persuasions of those who have the reformation of the church ever in their mouths you might be tempted in so great an assemblage not of oxen but of priests wantonly as it were while they bear it on their shoulders rashly to put forth your hand for this is the office and duty of the priests of god into the same snare fell korah dathan and abiram who dissatisfied that in a holy nation one should shine preeminent in dignity as high priest resisted both moses and aaron saying it is enough for you that the whole multitude are saints and the lord is among them why do ye exalt yourselves above the people though the words seem directed against both yet from the explanation of moses we learn that aaron's office of high priest was the cause of all their indignation when the whole people were holy they thought it unjust that any one individual should excel in dignity how grievously the thing offended god is shown by the signal display of his justice and severity against them the earth yawning swallows them up with their furniture and all that belonged to them 
these ancient events i now recount because as an apostle says they happened to them in a figure and were written for our correction on whom the ends of the world are come that all may learn that if in regard to a priesthood which served a tabernacle and shadow and which with the tabernacle divine providence had determined to abolish god manifested such care as not to allow even the smallest changes upon it by men's devices to pass unavenged how much greater revenge should be paid to those priests who no longer serve a type and shadow to be abolished but the true tabernacle itself which shall never be removed and how much less ought we to think of changing even the minutest arrangement relating to them in short how much more grievously and with how much more intolerable presumption must we suppose those to sin against divine providence who insist either on throwing this arrangement into confusion or on transferring it to themselves or who desire in any way to decide respecting that which long practice in the church founded on the testimony of scripture sets forth and declares whatever be the mode whatever the semblance of piety wherever such schemes are attempted there can be no doubt that pride which is the root of the evil is odious to god this is strikingly illustrated by the example of king uzziah in which scripture sets before us both the root of the evil and its heavy punishment the king who as scripture testifies was in other respects entitled to the highest praise is charged with presumption only in this that he desired to burn incense at the altar who would not have deemed this a pious rather than a presumptuous desire but the spirit of god in scripture when he comes to narrate the act says the heart of uzziah was lifted up but wherein lifted up in that he wished to perform another's office after he was warned by the priests but would not obey them god instantly smote him with leprosy these things dearest son we now pass in review before you that you may perceive if it was a presumptuous act in uzziah to burn incense upon the altar how much more presumptuous it must be to burn incense upon the altar of christ's body and prosecute other measures closely connected with religion but think you it is not incense before god to enact laws concerning religion it is indeed incense incense too of all things the most agreeable to god for be assured no odour is more grateful but to offer it is not your office emperor it belongs to the priests of the lord and in particular to us to whom god has given the power of loosing and binding consider into what part of the temple you enter when as at this day you usurp their office it is not into the court or into the sanctuary like uzziah for the act is not only holy but the holiest and therefore when you at your own hand penetrate hither it is into the house of the lord you penetrate and into the holy of holies you penetrate the very body of christ in arrogating to yourself his office it is no excuse to say that the act is holy or that the laws which you propose to enact are not perpetual but temporary i e to last till the future council for though the act is in itself pious yet in one to whom god has not given this ministry it is most impious for you are assuming to yourself a prerogative which is peculiar to god to whom alone is reserved the judgment of priests a prerogative which no one may assume though only for a time 
It is thus that God addresses wicked priests. I myself, who am over the shepherds, will require my flock at their hand. As God will do this thoroughly in his own time, so, whenever any one has meanwhile attempted, as by anticipation, to wrest it from his hand, for such daring he has always received the severest punishment. On the other hand, God has never allowed an age to pass without testifying, by some sure signs, that his greater mercies, both internal and external, and blessings of every kind, are due to those who, by their favour and assistance, enlarging and adorning the priesthood, have fostered the unity of the church and its principal see, as we perceive in the case of Constantine the Great, the Theodosi, and Charlemagne, than whom no Christian emperors were more distinguished for the divine favour and for victory. Those again who withstood the priests, God not only permitted to fall into all kinds of turpitude, but often chastised with signal punishments in testimony of his divine anger. We now speak not of those who attempted to strangle the church at its birth, of the Neros, the Domitians, and others of the sort, but of those who persecuted it when full-grown, and when beginning to exert the authority of its office over princes, the see of Peter was in the eyes of all princes constituted and confirmed those who resisted its authority were so chastened by god as to make it manifest how grateful to god obedience to this sea is and has always been and on the contrary how displeasing and hateful is disobedience the first of the emperors we read of who broke out in open revolt and in contempt of this holy sea was anastasius galasius the roman pontiff admonished him not to favour the party of Acatius, bishop of constantinople who had been condemned by the holy see but he disobeyed the admonition hormistus the successor of galasius having sent legates to him to urge him to desist from communion with heretics he first heard them with contempt and then dismissed them with insult at length the divine anger struck him dead by lightning he was succeeded in his impiety but at intervals by other emperors as mauritius constans the second son of justinianus constantinus pogonatus philip and leo but it were tedious to number up those who perished by deaths differing in their nature but all violent or ignominious after having been previously stripped of their power and dignity that in them divine justice might manifest itself as taking vengeance on the disobedient. The series might be continued as far as that Henry, who had long most grievously vexed the apostolic see, but at length made captive at Lodi by his own son, died in prison. Divine vengeance by a most just retribution, punishing by a son, him who had in so many ways molested and disregarded the authority of one whom divine providence had set over him in the church in the place of a father. The same thing may be said of Frederick the Second, except that his death by strangulation was more disastrous, inasmuch as his own son was the executioner. It is true, however, that God does not always punish rebels in this way, since some of them he so permits to enjoy their own desires that, in regard to external punishment, they seem to sin with impunity and live in affluence, holy fathers have piously thought that the reason why divine providence thus acts is lest men should suppose that if all the wicked were punished here divine justice has no other tribunal god therefore 
that he may be duly acknowledged, openly punishes some as an example, while in a manner winking at the crimes of others, he reserves them for a severer sentence at his future judgment seat. No sin, however, is dismissed unpunished. But of all punishments, the most fearful is when those who offend God most grievously think they do it with impunity. For all such as are struck with mental blindness and give over to lusts, ignominy, and a reprobate mind, these being what the apostle enumerates as the proper scourges of the wicked. But while these are common to all the wicked, there are others especially reserved for those who have exerted their impiety in assailing the principal sea and in rending the unity of the church. This, indeed, we have observed in certain persons who, the more shining their virtues were while they persevered in holy obedience, were, after their impious revolt, the more given up to monstrous passions of avarice, lust, and cruelty. History relates that this was the case with Anastasius, whom we mentioned above. And would that we had not similar examples in this our day. But divine vengeance thus punishing disobedience to this prime sea has been signally manifested not only on individuals, but also on kingdoms and provinces, in which we see that though the severest punishments of all have been inflicted on those who refuse to have Christ for their Lord, the next place of wretchedness has been allotted to those who resisted the authority of the vice-regent of Christ. Two nations in particular, at one time most flourishing, have been thus chastised and smitten. The one persisted in pertinaciously denying Christ, and the other was long notorious above all other nations for contending with his vice-regents. The former is the nation of the Jews, than which none has suffered greater misery, the latter the nation of the Greeks, who approached nearest to the Jews in misery, because they had approached nearest to them in impiety. Wherefore, if in the case of emperors, kings, states, and nations, Christ himself, while preserving the authority of his vice-regent, has never allowed contempt of it to pass unavenged, if by visiting disobedience with severe judgments he shows how hateful to him such attempts have always been, how much would you sin against yourself, Caesar, if, which God forbid, you were to attack this authority, seeing that in the eyes both of God and man this would be deemed more hateful in one descended from emperors, who have rendered to the apostolic see not more honour than they received from it. We write not these things, dearest son, as if we could persuade ourselves in any way that such counsels are ratified and confirmed in your mind, but as a father, loving the honour and welfare of his son, and solicitous concerning both of them, as soon as we saw the edict of the Diet of Spires. We thought it our duty to warn you, and that the more gravely, the more we were afraid of the peril to which you are exposed." In short, if we have at greater length dissuaded you from assuming power and authority to settle disputes in matters pertaining to religion, we have not written because we were not most desirous that disputes should be settled. That this might be duly done, our conscience testifies we would willingly shed our life's blood, but that we might admonish you by examples drawn both from sacred scripture and from ecclesiastical history, not to arrogate to yourself or to order of your imperial authority that which pertains not to your office. We exhort you, rather, to follow the example of Constantine the Great, a most distinguished servant of God and a most happy emperor, 
and leave those who are to be judged and chastised to their own judge and judges. For he, when requested by the priests themselves to judge in their disputes, positively declined. His words to this effect, as given by historical writers who were present, are, God has appointed you priests, and given you power to judge us also. Therefore we are rightly judged by you, whereas you cannot be judged by men, for which reason wait for the judgment of God alone to decide between you, and let your quarrels, whatever they be, be reserved for that divine scrutiny. Thus spoke he who is surnamed Great, not so much for his power, which was most extensive, as for his piety and other virtues, and whom, Caesar, it is our wish and desire that you should thoroughly resemble in all things. Your earnest desire that religious controversies be settled, and some strictness of discipline renewed throughout the whole church, we highly applaud, and we beg of you to give your assistance in this matter, and give it to him to whom God has committed the care of this ministry. For, as it is our opinion, that in handling matters of this description you by no means ought to act as the head, so we desire your assistance in particular as that of a most appropriate arm. It is owing to this our desire that on any, even the least hope of assembling an ecumenical council, we have always been not only prompt in summoning it, but whenever the smallest spark of hope that it could be assembled beamed forth, we instantly dispatched legates, as we did also on the last occasion, though not with the success which we assiduously desire. Indeed, we have chosen to make every attempt rather than lose the very least opportunity. This we continue to expect of the divine goodness. We earnestly long for a council both for the sake of the interest of the whole church and especially the famous German Empire, which, long harassed in the extreme by discord in religious matters, is in a state of disunion, but whose safety we have always hoped, as your majesty also admits, we may be able most conveniently to promote by a general council. In complaining, as we now do, that you have used the counsels of those who have already been condemned by this sea, we indeed complain not merely because we are always desirous that they should be removed from your counsels, or because we ask that those who have been once condemned remain ever condemned. God is our witness that there is nothing we more long for than to bring back lost sheep to the fold of the Lord, and see the whole of that noble empire united in faith and religion, with the head and the rest of the body, in all love and friendship, and that for the reasons we have mentioned. But while they remain dispersed from the head and the rest of the body, it is of such we speak, while they are out of the church, being condemned by your edict also, you are setting more value on their friendship than you ought, and treating them with too much indulgence. Seeing that this your indulgence, and the declarations of former edicts which you have passed at different times, have not only not had the effect of bringing them to a sounder mind, but rather, as the event has proved, furnished them with the occasion of becoming more insolent, and more bold in seizing on their neighbour's goods, you certainly seem by this method more to ferment discord than to remove it, but that matters will be most effectually restored to a better condition not by means inconsistent with the manners and customs of our forefathers, and with the divine law itself, but by a general council. We always have hoped in the Lord, and do hope even now, 
and therefore consulting the convenience of that province more than any other we sent our legates to the entrance of germany even as far as trent then we called but there was none to hear we came and there was no man nevertheless we desist not but we still call and cry to you and the other princes exclaiming with the prophet david come let us lament before the lord for there cannot be a more appropriate commencement of the council and with daniel i pray for my own sins and those of the people i accuse confess and entreat o lord we have sinned we have committed iniquity we have done wickedly and gone backwards to us belongeth confusion of face and to our kings our princes and our fathers for we have sinned but to thee o lord belong mercy and propitiation to such a council therefore we invite you a council in which we hope to have the angels themselves for counsellors if they rejoice over one sinner doing penitence how much more will they rejoice over the whole church of which they are themselves a part when assembled for penitence moreover while the safety of christendom is threatened by the most powerful and perpetual enemy of the christian name the turkish despot we see not in what way it can be secured unless by the united forces of christians living in faith and charity wherefore beloved son pave the way for such a council this is your appropriate office and you will pave it if you either as much as in you lies restore to christendom a peace so earnestly desired by all or establish a truce until the church can assemble a council there your disputes can be decided more equitably than by violence this do both you and the other christian princes whom we will admonish again and again on this subject and in particular him with whom you are at war the council is now at hand for it was long ago summoned and has never been recalled though on account of the wars deferred to a more convenient season to this effect therefore dearest son exert yourself and give this joy first to christendom which has long been worn out by intestine wars and next to us having nothing on earth dearer than yourself who in our love hold the place of a firstborn give this proof of divine virtue in you not only not turning away from your father's affectionate admonition as those do whom god in testimony of desertion gives up to their own devices but regarding him as sent to you at this time by the command of god to support you when falling and free you from great peril to your soul's salvation embrace him with all piety listen cheerfully to his voice and obey his admonitions these you will duly obey if when human counsels working on human frailty have been able to turn you from the holy path as the prophet calls it though it is indeed a king's highway being that of your ancestors most religious princes being warned you instantly display your divine disposition and seeing the truth resolve that in things which pertain to religion you will not claim any right and authority if following the divine institution and the practice of the church you entirely exclude all discussions concerning priests and religion from imperial diets those not being present who have authority to take cognizance of such matters and refer them to their proper tribunal if in regard to ecclesiastical property of which the lord himself for whom it is preserved has left and committed it to priests to judge you give no decision and laying arms aside either study peace or if peace cannot otherwise be obtained give power to the general council to judge of those points which have so long fermented pernicious wars in christendom 
if in fine you rescind and nullify those concessions which from excessive indulgence you have made to the contumacious who are in rebellion against this holy see for dearest son while these are things which bring your own soul into great peril and disturb the peace of the church more and more you can easily understand if you do not at the earliest remedy these evils as we hope you will to what straits you will reduce us leaving us no alternative but either to the very great detriment of the church to be wanting to the duty and office given to us by god through his son or to act more severely than accords with either our practice our nature or our inclination to our duty in such an emergency we certainly ought not to be wanting nor in so far as we can promise for ourselves through the grace of him whom on earth we represent though unworthily will we be wanting to it for there is impressed upon our mind and present to our eyes the example which we mentioned at the outset the example of divine severity toward eli the priest who we read was not condemned because he refrained altogether from correcting his sons it is plain enough from scripture that he did correct them but because as st jerome says in correcting them he acted with the lenity of a father not with the authority of a pontiff so long as matters were entire we acted with the lenity of a father but if transactions are to take place in terms of the edict which god forbid i see well enough from the example of eli the necessary steps which you will oblige us to take wherefore caesar consider with yourself what best becomes you what best fulfils your duty towards god and the church and what is most conducive to your own honour and advantage is it to lend an arm to our justice in things which pertain to the unity of the church or is it to favour those who having once violated this unity and desire and labour miserably to rend it into a still greater number of parts may the god of peace of his infinite mercy deliver your majesty from the counsels of the wicked and establish in your heart counsels of peace that being of one mind we may with one mouth honour god the father through jesus christ to whom with the holy spirit be glory for ever and ever amen given at rome on the feast of st mark twenty fifth august fifteen forty four end of a paternal admonition by the roman pontiff paul the third to the most invincible emperor charles v by pope paul the third